Welcome to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, a program brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. Witness Lee, a servant of the Lord for over seven decades on five continents, culminated his ministry with a 21-year, book-by-book exposition of the entire Bible, which he called a life study. This life study is the basis of our program today, which includes short portions of the spoken messages given by Witness Lee. Now, let's join today's life study. It's very interesting how Peter begins his two epistles. The first one begins, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ. Whereas he begins the second book, Simon Peter, a slave and apostle of Jesus Christ. Simon, of course, was Peter's old name, his name before he came to the Lord Jesus. Peter is his new name, given to him directly by the Lord himself. In putting these two together, Peter is indicating something very marvelous about the entire book of 2 Peter. For this is a book showing us that under God's ruling and under his government, we see the old creation changed into the new creation. Simon fit perfectly in the old creation but he had to become Peter to make it in the new creation. Matt Miller has joined us for today, our first program, Matt, in this life study of Second Peter. And, uh, oh, this is a marvelous portion, isn't it? It really is, Chris. I'm looking forward to today's program. Let's talk about this concept just for a moment. Uh, we will hear Witness Lee develop this thought in the first section today. And actually, we're covering a lot of ground today uh, in this initial message. But I like this point particularly because it does kind of set the tone for this book. We saw in First Peter uh, that we just concluded all these matters related to God's government, God's dealing, God's judgment. Somewhat this continues in Second Peter, but we really bring in a new element, don't we? Well, we do, Chris. And that's what I like about this life study of Second Peter is The title of the first eight messages of Peter, there's a total of 13 life studies in 2 Peter. The first eight of them are entitled The Divine Provision. And then we get to the last five, which are the divine government. And we talked about God's government in the first epistle of Peter. Now we're going to see not only God's government, but God's provision. And that's a big thing to see, that there's not only a government, there's a supply. God has provided a supply for the believers, and that's what we're going to see in Second Peter, and particularly in today's program. And even this point we just alluded to that we'll hear in the first section about uh, Simon becoming Peter and this progression from the old creation to the new totally incorporates the thought uh, conveyed in this matter of God's divine provision, doesn't it? It does, Chris, and uh, Peter gets right into it right away in these first few verses, so maybe we could... Yeah, we'll just go and uh, uh, let Witness Lee say it better than we can, and we'll come back and uh, at least talk about it a bit. I want to read a verse from a little later on, near the end of Second Peter, uh, because this, uh, I think, is a good backdrop for what we're about to hear. But according to his promise, we are expecting new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. So Peter, his new name for the new creation and the new heaven and a new earth. There's a lot of newness in the book of Second Peter. Let's join Witness Lee. Yeah, first book, the subject is the Christian life under God's government. Now this book is a kind of continuation. It still stresses much God's government. But it adds something in. That is God's provision. So the title of this book is The Divine Provision and the Divine Government. 
for us to carry out God's government, we need God's provision. That is God's divine supply. This is the main significance of uh, this book. Now, verse 1. In verse 1 of the first book, only the name Peter is mentioned. In this book, he mentions his two names, Simon Peter. Simon refers to his old man, Peter refers to his new man. Putting these two together, it means that old man now has become a new man. Because this book shows us that under God's government, the old universe will change into a new. So at the end you have uh, the new heavens and the new earth. Uh, the new heavens and new earth, of course, uh, may be represented by Peter. And the uh, old universe may be represented by Simon. In the four Gospels, we saw the old man representing the old creation. And now, in his epistles, we can see a new man here, a new person representing the new universe. Matt, the, uh, the New Testament presents to us, of course, the old creation, the new creation, the old man, the new man. We have Simon and Peter, the two names. Uh, and as we've touched this matter in previous uh, programs and throughout the ministry of Watch, throughout the ministry of Witness Lee, uh, the key significance between the old creation and the new creation is not so much that God was doing something new, but by virtue of the element that is added to produce the new creation. Pick up this thought. Yeah, Chris, this matter of a new element coming in, we talked about it in a previous radio program with the matter of petrification, how petros, this word, even comes from petrification. Petrification is a great picture because it washes away the old element of the wood and brings in the new element, the minerals that are in the water. Eventually, it looks like a piece of wood, but it really is a rock. It's a stone. That's exactly what happened with Peter. Here's Peter, his old name, Simon in the old creation, yet now in the new creation, he's a stone. He's a stone for God's building. He's transformed. Something changed, but the change isn't through his effort. The change is through a new element Mm. being added in. That's the simplest picture of the Christian life, receiving another element over a long period of time And through transformation, we become something suitable for God's building. So the Lord, uh, when he first called Peter, he makes a big point of this change of name. You are Simon Barjona, but you shall be called Peter, which translated means a stone. So he is uh, somewhat setting the tone for Peter's entire uh, Christian life, isn't he? And even his speaking in Acts there when he stands up on the day of Pentecost and thereafter he makes reference many times to the fact that the Lord was a stone. Then in his epistles, as we saw in the first epistle, he brings this matter back again and again, doesn't he? Well, it's really important, Chris, for everyone to see this because many believers, when they get saved, they think that they're bringing something of their natural ability to the Lord. I'm a good speaker, so now I'm going to speak for the Lord. Well, Peter had this same concept. 
As Simon, in his natural strength, he was all the time in his natural strength following the Lord. I'm going to do something for the Lord. Even when the Lord is going to go to the cross and die, he's there cutting off the ear right. <laughs> of the ones coming to arrest the Lord. And the Lord has to put the ear back on and tell Peter, no, if you live by the sword, you're going to die by the sword. So don't do something for me in your natural man. This is a picture of many believers. They want to do something for the Lord in their natural strength, and it becomes a frustration to them. But in resurrection, the Lord came into Peter and through the process of transformation, allowed Peter to become something different and uplifted even his natural abilities by filling them with the Spirit, filling them with Christ. And eventually, I like this description in Peter, how he called himself a slave. Yeah, That was how he describes himself at the beginning of Second Peter, this last epistle. He says, Simon Peter, a slave and apostle of Jesus Christ. So the very first thing is he's, he mentions this matter of submission. Are we a slave of Jesus Christ? Matt, as we covered the first book of Peter with all of the emphasis on God's government and God's judgment. And as uh, I read that verse at the end, chapter 3 of Second Peter, the result of God's judgment and being under his ruling, under his government, is the new creation is produced with the new heaven and the new earth and, of course, ultimately the consummation of, of the whole Bible, the new Jerusalem. So all of this judgment, all of God's government that, again, will come up later on in the book of Second Peter, it has an eventual outcome, doesn't it? It has an issue that matches this new element that's being added. Yeah, I'm glad you said that, Chris, because that actually the point I was trying to make with him be calling himself a slave. Him calling himself a slave is an issue of the Lord's newness working into him. He's becoming an expression of the new Jerusalem by being under submission to Christ, yeah. calling him himself a slave. This is the new Jerusalem in a sense. Matt, let's finish. You started to read verse 1, this matter of a slave and an apostle. Let's read this verse as we prepare to join Witness Lee in this next portion. Simon Peter, a slave and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have been allotted faith, equally precious as ours, in the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Here's Witness Lee. To those who have been allotted, this word actually is an Old Testament word referring to Joshua, how he allotted uh, the good land to the children of uh, Israel. When the children of Israel entered into the promised land, there were 12 tribes. So the Lord told Joshua to allot, to make lots of that good land, uh, 12 lots. The good land was the portion from God to the children of Israel in the Old Testament time, but in the New Testament, Christ is our portion. Christ is the portion of the New Testament believers, just like the good land was the portion to the Old Testament saints. And that portion was allotted to them. And the New Testament portion is also allotted to us. Like precious faith. Maya. This is a hard expression for the uh, translators and for the uh, expositors. How the faith could become our lot. 
are allotted portion. Well, we can say, according to the Bible, that Christ is our portion. And actually, it is Christ allotted to us, right? But here Peter says, it is faith. Let me say this. To say Christ as a portion is somewhat doctrinal. But to say faith is a portion, this is more experiential. If Christ, merely Christ, never be the faith, we just couldn't participate in him. We cannot share him. For us to share him, Christ has to become our faith. Matt, I think this thought needs some development. In Colossians 1, the portion that's allotted to the saints is clearly Christ in the context there. Here, Peter uses the same word as Witnessly pointed out, referring back to the Old Testament allotting of the parcels of the good land to the various tribes. But what's allotted in Peter's language is faith, equally precious as ours. How do these two connect? Well, it's a great connection, and Witnessly gave us some help to connect the dots, so to speak. But You know, you have the picture, and a picture, of course, is worth a thousand words, the picture in the Old Testament of the allotment of the land. They inherited the good land, but it was appointed to the 12 tribes. You know, this allot was for this tribe. This lot was for this tribe. All the different tribes received their own allotment. Then Paul comes along in Colossians chapter 1 and says, Christ is the allotted portion of the believers. But then when you look at 2 Peter chapter 1, Peter doesn't say Christ is the allotment. He says, we've been allotted this like precious faith. So Peter calls faith the allotment. Christ is the allotment by Paul. I think Witness Lee connects it real well when he says, if it's just Christ, it's too objective. It needs to be subjective. It needs to be our experience to be personal, to become more something substantial and experiential for us. It needs to become our faith. If it's just Christ as your allotment, That's too objective. But is Christ your faith? Is he your appreciation? Is he your believing? Do you have faith? Right. This is a much more experiential. Yeah, I like this thought that faith is personified, and it makes it a little less uh, ethereal and hard to um, get a grip on. But Christ really is our portion. He's also our faith, by which we lay hold of our portion, isn't he? He is, and... uh, Let me read a paragraph in the life study. It says, what is our real inheritance? Our real inheritance is all the things relating to life inwardly and godliness outwardly. Our portion includes the divine nature of which we partake through the common faith, which is equally precious. When we put together these items, faith, divine nature, precious and exceeding great promises, life and godliness, we have the totality of of our allotted inheritance. What a wonderful inheritance. Boy. Matt, we want to um, move on. We come to another phrase in this verse, uh, near the end of the verse. We've now touched the fact that it begins Simon Peter, that he was a slave and an apostle, and that we have been allotted faith equally precious as ours. But the last phrase is the modifier that we want to focus on this third section. Allotted faith equally precious as ours in the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. 
oh, there's so much conveyed in these few words. Uh, I'm looking forward to this point, and hopefully we'll save enough time to be able to have a good uh, conversation regarding it at the end. This really is the last point, but it's for sure not the least point of this program. All right, here's Witness Lee. In the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Here, the righteousness is not only of our God, but also of our Savior. As our Savior, His righteousness is His death on the cross for the accomplishment of our redemption. Then as God, based upon Christ's death on the cross, His righteousness justifies all the believers. It is here, in this one thing, the two kinds of righteousness are put together. The righteousness of Christ accomplished redemption. Then the righteousness of God, based upon this redemption, justifies us in His righteousness. (laughs) Is this clear? In this righteousness, and by this righteousness, the New Testament inheritance has been allotted to us. And this means what? This means God has given us this portion in the sphere of righteousness and by the means of righteousness. Righteousness is the means. Now, what kind of righteousness? The righteousness of man? which is the righteousness of the law? No. Then what righteousness? The righteousness of God, which is the righteousness of Christ. This implies, even indicates, that the dispensation changed. God blessed people in the Old Testament based upon man's righteousness according to the law. But now, in the New Testament, God gives us the wonderful portion, not because of our righteousness according to the law, but because of His righteousness according to Christ's redemption. Could you see this? God has allotted our New Testament inheritance to us, not according to the righteousness you have made, according to now, but according to his own righteousness, which has been fulfilled by the death of Christ. So the age has changed. Don't go back to now. Don't go back to Moses, but come to Christ. It is not the righteousness you do. It is God's righteousness that is fulfilled by the righteous act of Christ on the cross. It is in this righteousness, by this righteousness, that God has allotted all of us equally the New Testament inheritance. Matt, in one sense, the two dispensations, and by that I'm talking about the Old Testament dispensation and the New Testament, bear a similarity. 
they're both based on God's righteousness. In the Old Testament, God had righteous demands that matched his own righteous nature. And if the people of God met those demands, they received a blessing. That element still exists in the New Testament, but there has been a fundamental change, hasn't there? Yeah, and Peter talks about it right here in this verse. He talks about the righteousness of Christ and the righteousness of God. It's no longer according to man's righteousness and the righteousness of the law, but it's according to the righteousness of Christ and the righteousness of God that we receive this inheritance. You know, last portion, last segment, we talked about the inheritance that we received, which is so wonderful in Mm, Christ, all the things that pertain to life and godliness. And yet, how do we get that? Well, we get that based upon Christ's righteousness. This is Christ dying for us a righteous death and the righteousness of God to accept Christ's righteous death. So we have both the righteousness of Christ and the righteousness of God. And there's a great verse in Philippians chapter 3, verse 9, that talks about this, Chris, and I'd like to read that real quick. To be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is out of the law. So that's the two righteousnesses that Paul lived according to before he was saved. The Old Testament dispensation of the righteousness, which is out of the law. But Paul now says, the righteousness, which is out of God and based on faith. So this is the New Testament. It's not based on what you can do. It's based on the faith of Christ. It's the righteousness which is out of God. It's apart from us. We don't have the ability in ourselves. It's a gift, and we have to thank the Lord for such a wonderful gift. Marvelous how these two aspects uh, are brought together in this verse, Christ's righteousness and the righteousness of God. As you said, and I think it just is worth repeating again, Both of these have to come together to be the foundation and the guarantee of our allotted portion, the basis upon which God blesses us with this divine portion. Christ died the righteous death on the cross, and God in his righteousness had to accept that in lieu of his judgment upon us. Therefore, his righteousness now, and I always have loved this point that uh, both Watchman Nee made and Witness Lee made um, in their ministry, that at one point, God's righteousness to us was a, the most fearful thing because we knew we were guilty of it. Now that it has been satisfied by Christ's righteousness, it becomes the strongest advocate for us in the universe, doesn't it? It does. And 1 Corinthians one thirty says he becomes our righteousness. It's our righteousness now. The picture of the garment, when the prodigal son comes back, the first thing the father does is put a garment on him, a new right. garment. And that's a picture of the righteousness of Christ, to hide the prodigal son in the righteousness of his son. And uh, I was looking a verse up in Jeremiah, Chris. Jeremiah chapter 23, verses 5 and 6. The days are coming, declares Jehovah, when I will raise up to David a righteous shoot. And he will reign as king and act prudently, will execute justice and righteousness in the land. In his days, Judah will be saved. Israel will dwell securely. And this is his name by which he will be called, Jehovah, our righteousness. Wow. So Christ comes as this righteous shoot, and his name is Jehovah, our righteousness. He becomes our righteousness. It's not that we could be righteous, but he is our righteousness. 
It's a great old hymn. I believe it was written by Zinzendorf. I might be wrong. God's Christ who is our righteousness. My beauty is my glorious dress. Christ's righteousness really is our beautiful dress, Chris. And I appreciate this subject and we're barely scratching the surface. I just really encourage the listeners to get the life study and the footnotes in the recovery version especially are helpful on this matter. Not just the footnotes, but also the cross references in the margins related to these words righteousness. There's a lot of help in the recovery version. And Matt, of course, that recovery version and the life study, the printed life study volumes of Second Peter are both available. To find out about all these things, you can contact us toll free at 1-888-LIFE-STUDY, 888-543-3788, or write to us at Living Stream Ministry, Post Office Box 2121, Anaheim, California, 92814, or you can send email to radio at lsm.org. And we'll return tomorrow as we continue now the life study of Second Peter. Uh, and for Matt Miller, appreciate you being here today, Matt. Thanks, Chris. I'm Chris Wilde, and thank you for listening. Witness Lee's remarkable commentary on the life of Abraham, taken from the life study of Genesis, is now available from Living Stream Ministry in a single volume entitled Abraham Called by God. Abraham Called by God by Witness Lee is available at Christian bookstores everywhere, or you can order by calling 1-888-543-3788.